Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Okay. This episode's going to be fun. You can feel it. <laughs> oh. We were so deprived of in-person time with all of our recordings for three years. It's so nice. All right. <clears throat> Starting out. We're serious. We're back with another episode of Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. Sorry, I just used... We have the giggles. And I'm Rachel. And you can email us at info at gallerypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. We have a jam-packed episode this week. Rachel, what's on tap for today? Well, we're talking about the very moment we missed by like a few minutes last week, which is Prince William popping up in Poland. That was such a surprise. We couldn't retape or add to the episode. So we are going to get into it this week. Harry's in London, another surprise. We have some reflections on Fergie that we want to get into. And also, where in the world is King Charles? It is not in France. That we all know. Also, a coronation celebration to remember. Roberta and I had such a fun time yesterday. We're going to tell you all about it and so much more. The world's biggest tea party or New York's biggest tea party? I think it was New York's biggest tea party. It was amazing. I was going to say America's biggest tea party. Oh, maybe it was. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not sure about the billing on this one. Matt loved those jokes about Boston's tea party. I love it. To get through all of that, though, of course, we leave time for our royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. And we have a pretty special one this week. It's uh, in honor of Prince Philip. He died April 9th, 2021, and his service of Thanksgiving was about a year ago, March 29th, 2022. And so we're sipping Boddington's beer, which was said to be his favorite beer. And um, it's also my dad's. I was going to say, I really enjoy Boddington's. I think it's a delicious beer. It is. It is. Um, So let's talk about that big tea party because I feel like we need to catch up. Yes. Visit London hosted it, and it was so fantastic. It was on the edge, which if you guys are unfamiliar that is in Hudson Yards it was basically on the floor above so Roberta and I had the chance to go outside 100 floors up 100 floors up pristine views of the Empire State Building we met some Londoners that just got engaged which was really exciting they were so lovely they gave us some insight for the coronation but the whole event was fantastic the trivia yeah it was Royal Trivia, Donna Werner, who's a royal super fan, she was there. I came in ninth place in the trivia. Rachel, you did so good. But you were robbed because the way that it worked, guys, was that you had to – it was on your phone and they called out the questions from the front and you had to not just hit the button in – Three seconds. And with your answer, you had too to quick. hit submit. We but would have won if it – I mean, still held our own. we wrote the book World Trivia. We should have won. But. Yeah, but this trivia was also taking it really broad. It wasn't just about the modern royals. I feel like it was the one that – We knew most us, of them. We knew most of it, but the one that tripped us up, I think, was – or it tripped me up was which river runs under Buckingham Palace? River Tyburn. Yep. Yeah. That and was, the other one was how many queens – I think it was where Queen Anne Boleyn lived. What castle? That oh, was yeah, hard. That, that was tough. Too. Yeah. Anyways, Rachel, how was your weekend? It was terrific, but most importantly, I feel like the tea party was fabulous, but 
your half marathon. How did it go? I was I, thinking of you nonstop. It was a little bizarre. I just had you in my, in no, my head the oh, whole weekend. Oh, that's so sweet. And so many Roros actually DM'd me a lot of advice, which was really nice. Oh. So like Heather, Patricia, all of you, thank you so much for sending so much good advice. I didn't use the gels, which is great recommendation by them because I hadn't trained with them. I didn't wear anything new, which I had really wanted oh, to beforehand, but they yeah. said do not do that. And it was Great. The weather turned around over the weekend from being rainy all day, Friday, Saturday, to just gorgeous on Sunday. So it was perfect race weather. And I'm still recovering and struggling to walk a little. But no, it's it's wearing off. The soreness is wearing off. And thank you guys again for sending that. And I was so proud. And then did you round out the weekend with succession? I did. I did. <laughs> priorities. Priorities. No matter how tired you were, stayed up. I cannot get enough of this year's dialogue this season's dialogue it's so good Matthew McFadden is just oh chef's I know and I had right before succession finished Stonehouse via Brit Box which was so worth it if you guys have not watched that or he's also in that right he's the star of that and if you it's just so fascinating that that happened with the MP that faked his disappearance and all of that stuff so good I'm adding that to my list promise we're about to talk about the Royals yep we have this terrific listener note from Kristen she wrote in to say that first and foremost we're an appointment podcast for her every Thursday and that she appreciates our thoughtfulness as we approach the lives past and present of the British royal family she also had this to say about Fergie your recent conversations about meeting Fergie on her book tour reminded me of my encounter nearly 20 years ago. I was rotating as a medical student through a neonatal ICU in Chicago when Fergie stopped by to visit with the senior physicians, nurses, and parents of children in that unit. She was so lovely and supportive of everyone there. This occurred in the days before cell phone cameras. I recall telling the mother of one of my patients to run out to her car and grab her camera, but I was not allowed to tell her why for security reasons. Thankfully, I think she got a photo with the Duchess and her infant daughter. I do know she was able to speak with Sarah and her team. For all of my conflicted feelings about Sarah and her ongoing support of Andrew, I have to say that she was truly lovely and generous to the parents of those medically fragile babies during a very hard time in their lives. I think that's some of the conflict we feel as well Mm -hmm. because – when we saw Sarah in person, Fergie, she was so fantastic. Yeah. And you really find her to be quite charming, right? Yeah. But then you just – it's the Andrew stuff and shielding that. But it is a complex role that women are constantly put in. I yes. think yes. this is not the first time this has happened. Inner but. turmoil about our feelings for Sarah Ferguson. But, yes, this is a lovely note. Thank you so much for writing us in. Well, and I was just going to take us on a quick detour that Sarah popped up on a, this podcast that I listened to on my commute to work today, Life's a Beach with what? Alan Carr. It is fantastic. I actually got about probably 80% of the way through. I still have the last bit to listen to, but she talks about skiing with Diana. She talks about her type that she wants to date. It's Cary Grant, by the way. She talks about why she loves America. We have a clip that I'd love to play from that. So I love the moment I get off a flight because Mm. I can be myself. I'm liberated there. Mm. And the reason why I say that is because they accept me as me. And therefore, I don't have to be on best behavior. And thinking any minute now that the newspaper is going to write that I've done something, it's all this, that and the other. So when I'm there, I just I'm just enjoying it. She has more to say about that. It just there was there were just so many genuinely funny nuggets, and I thought that was also an interesting segue into what oh we're going to talk about with Prince Harry. I so. can't believe she was on another podcast that wasn't ours. No, I had to do some digging on Alan. He is very fun. I will say, I loved him. I don't know if he's as fun Life's as us. Life's a beach. Is that a good a beach, listen? Yeah. Okay. It's highly I'm adding listened it to, my list. but All she right. really she really gets into it. So everyone cool. check it out. All right, this week in royal history. And now this week in royal history. 
We're flashing back to when the Queen Mother passed away at 101 years old. Here's the BBC News Bulletin announcing that. Good evening. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, has died in her 102nd year. She died at Windsor at 3.15 this afternoon. Buckingham Palace said the end was peaceful and the Queen was at her side. Members of the royal family are arriving at Windsor tonight. Prince Charles, who says he's devastated, and the princes William and Harry will return from their skiing holiday in Switzerland tomorrow. The Prime Minister has led the nation's tributes. She was, he said, admired by all people of all ages and backgrounds, revered within our borders and beyond. All right. So before we talk about her passing, just want to quickly give a little history lesson. Elizabeth Angela Marguerite Bowes-Lyon was born August 4th, same birthday as Meghan Markle, actually, in the year 1900, which just blows my mind. She died in 2002, one month after her daughter, Princess Margaret, died. Of course, you know, you can't die from a broken heart, but... You might be able to. She was suffering from a chest cold since Christmas of 01. So it had been a few months she had had this chest cold. She was the longest living member of the British royal family at the time of her death. That record was broken by her surviving sister-in-law, Princess Alice, who actually died at the age of 102. Queen Elizabeth was 96. Charles has some really good genes. I don't know. We might see a really long reign for King Charles. Yes, it's very, very true. We know, you know, Charles was very close. The BBC News presenter obviously mentioned that in his coverage as well, that he was devastated. He kept vigil with her three other grandsons during her lying in state at Westminster Abbey. I think that was, you know— a sign of their closeness also. It seems like he felt that the Queen and Prince Philip were a little bit absent from his childhood, but that he did have someone who really indulged his artistic side in the Queen Mother and was really supportive of all of that. And we kind of know now how that played out. He is, you know, recites Shakespeare on the fly and loves painting and watercolors. always. Yeah, yes. and so I think that that maybe came from her. And we're going to play a little clip from Spare where Harry talks about his Gangan. I wish I could recall specifically what we talked about. I wish I'd asked more questions and jotted down her answers. She'd been the war queen. She'd lived at Buckingham Palace while Hitler's bombs rained from the skies. Nine direct hits on the palace. She'd dined with Churchill, wartime Churchill. She'd once possessed a Churchillian eloquence of her own. She was famous for saying that no matter how bad things got, she'd never, ever leave England. And people loved her for it. I loved her for it. I loved my country. And the idea of declaring you'd never leave struck me as wonderful. She was, of course, infamous for saying other things. She came from a different era, enjoyed being queen in a way that looked unseemly to some. I saw none of that. She was my gangan. She was born three years before the aeroplane was invented, yet still played the bongo drums on her hundredth birthday. Now she took my hand as if I were a knight home from the wars and spoke to me with love and humour. And that night, that magic night, respect. I wish I'd asked about her husband, King George VI, who died young, or her brother-in-law, King Edward VIII, whom she'd apparently loathed. He gave up his crown for love. Gangan believed in love, but nothing transcended the crown. Ugh, I just think his words and hearing I know, how him. powerful that we yeah. have this source. I also was going to say, Roberta, you know what book I never read, but it's on my list, is that book, Do Let's Have Another Drink, The mm. Dry Wit and Fizzy Life of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. That is something I never picked up, and, and I really would love to read it. It came out at the end of last year, and I, I think it was title. just, yeah, the shuffle of it all. Oh, and that she loves gin martinis, which is what Harry was sipping with her when he was talking about that moment and appreciating his gangan and her long life. So... 
I guess we should sip to a yes. long life well lived for the Queen Mother, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. All right, let's get into the royal news. Yes, Prince William in Poland. This was such a surprise. And like I said, timing is everything. We were done with our episode, couldn't squeeze it in or add it in. We had big intentions to talk about it this week. So this was a surprise visit. This was not at all on the royal itinerary. Chris Jackson was there capturing it all. Some royal reporters were there to cover it. Um, He visited undisclosed military bases that had British soldiers uh, there helping to train Ukrainian forces. Then he headed over to Warsaw to meet with refugees and visited the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. It was a two-day visit. Crazy. It was really a huge win for William. I felt it was really a chance for us to see him as this global statesman. He was there by himself. It was not a, you know, no-frills kind of visit. But I think a lot of the coverage, what really impressed me was – you heard a lot from the conversations. I mean, he mm-hmm. had drinks mm-hmm. at a food hall or some light bites with a number of Ukrainians. Yep. And I think that that was just really powerful. They all described him as incredibly down to earth, yep. really accessible. Uh, just they were nervous going into it, feeling like, oh, my gosh, they're sitting with the king. But he came across as a completely regular person. And at least from my point of view and reading the coverage, it seemed like he spent some time. It wasn't this quick photo op kind of moment, yeah. but just there to support what they're all going through. And we also know that this is a hugely important cause for both William and Kate. And they've followed along since the start. I'm extremely impressed by the secrecy around this trip. I feel like him popping up in Poland was such a shock and such an OMG moment. I mean, I immediately texted you and said, should we like re-record? we really thought about it, guys. We were like, how can we juggle? Our producer will kill us. That's incredible that they kept (laughs) it. He's shaking his head. He's like, no. Incredible that they kept it under wraps. And I think a lot of the stops that were kind of not scheduled, like the, and maybe this was, you know, talked about beforehand, but the dining at the LGBTQ-friendly yes. restaurant, that was I love how they amazing. teased that on social where they were like taping the sign that said Prince William, or I don't know if that was posted after the fact, but it was that uh, to his seat. Because I think he was a last minute addition. He wasn't expected to go, but then he went and dined right. there for a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. and just patrons saw team. him and... I think he ordered the pulled pork sandwich and but just like because of that too being LGBTQ and, and Poland's kind of issues with the yes. human rights and, and um, gay marriage and all of that. I think that that was just it's really a it was yeah. really a statement. And, and um, I mean, more surprise royal visits. I guess this was for security, of course, obviously, because of the war in Ukraine. But I think that. That was just like such a nice kind of thing to know that he had planned all of this and thought it through and and it was I think all it's really impactful. And I think, you know, again, we saw him playing table tennis. We saw some really sweet photos with the kids and just kind of the morale that he could bring to that moment. But yeah, I mean, I commented to you that his bodyguard was arm in arm, like, you know, watching some of just the B-roll of his yeah. visit. Just it is a big deal to go anywhere near yeah. the Ukrainian border for a high profile person. So yeah, definitely. All right. This episode is kind of jumping around the world, I guess we should call it, because yes. we're all over. Because where ne- from in the world where, is- <laughs> where are we going next? We're going to London, where Harry popped up. So from Poland to London. So he flew commercial from California by way of Miami. We know that because there were some pictures posted from the Miami airport. He got to take some pictures with tourists. I can't imagine what that would be like to run into him. 
Uh, he is there for the trial against Associated Newspapers, which is, of course, the Daily Mail and when they were under the helm of Piers Morgan. Uh, so, you know, he has a history with him, of course. This is for phone tapping and breaches of privacy, um, bugged cars. I really think this is like fascinating some of the facts that have been revealed about some of the other plaintiffs in this case. So Elton John revealed that uh, the birth certificate of their child was published in the Daily Mail before they even saw it. It was somehow nabbed from the hospital. So, so insane. Elizabeth Hurley, she had a microphone taped to her window in her home. And when she was dating Hugh Grant, they were recording their phone calls, I guess, is what she's alleging. Uh, They bugged her ex Hugh Grant's car, like really kind of revealing things. Um, Harry's very illegal things. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so Harry showed up on this. It's really, you know, it's not the start of the trial. It's a preliminary hearing to decide if the trial, if the case moves forward to a trial. And I think that's really important because this wouldn't be normally something that people would cover very much, but his presence there brings all of the media focus, all the attention to this case. That's what people are kind of almost smirking at is that this is the one time Harry wants to be the center of media attention. He hates, hates, hates it. Otherwise, we know that from Spare. But this is the one time where he, you know, wants all the publicity on this. The Daily Mail is trying to get out of, wiggle their way out of it by not going to trial. So yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a stunt either. He was there on day two as well. He has a notebook. He's taking notes during the trial. He sits in the back. He was sitting next to some of the other plaintiffs. He wasn't there on day three. This is supposed to wrap up tomorrow, and we'll hear definitively Friday. If it, or no. Yeah, Friday, so not tomorrow. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday. So, But he's not there on day three, which I wonder if it is because he doesn't want the spotlight mm-hmm. during King Charles's trip to Germany, which just kicked off. So kind of something important to note there. On that note, we know that, you know, Charles's team was asked whether they would be meeting, and he said he was busy. Um, William and Kate seemed to be out of town for Easter break. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting. I agree. The visibility of Harry be- being there, though, really is so powerful for this case, and that was such a surprise. And he looks really good too, Roberta. He's tan. He just looks really He's like dashing. in a good place. Yeah. You know, there's that photo where he kind of looks back at the camera, and there was also that moment where he bumped into, or a photographer rather, yep. bumped into him. Yep, not a lot of play. I know. I laughed that I was like, that could be a whole chapter in Spare about yeah. bumping into that photographer. I know. One of the funnier tweets about this was though, is like, TK Maxx annual sale, no more. This <laughs> yes, man is dressed in a no Dior more. suit. We have a Harry Renaissance proper tailoring. Yes. I know, I know. And I I do feel like one of the bigger questions that everyone is asking is, where is Harry staying? I know. And that's kind of been a question. I saw Hello Magazine just ID'd he is staying at Frogmore, which I'm like, what? Oh, is he cleaning? That, they, they didn't confirm it. That's what it, Hello said that he was staying at Frogmore. And then I think Fox News has the scoop, which I know Fox News, what the heck, has the scoop that he's staying with friends in Because I also saw Hello Magazine was reporting that there's sta- he could be staying with Princess Eugenie. Obviously, mm. they're very close, Jack Brooks Bank, all of that. But yeah. it is a big question because, in theory, I think he's out of Frogmore end of this month, March 31st. Yeah. But yeah. that timing would also work out. Yeah, and I guess Charles' team said he was, quote, busy, but that he is in Highgrove because of his canceled trip to France. Yeah, where he it was seems like he'd be. be around. He'd have actual days back on the calendar I because know. of that change. But the two-hour drive 
from Frogmore, I mean, from Highgrove to London proved to be too long, I guess. But I love this New York Magazine, Margaret Hartman wrote up a pretty funny story about this. And she said about Charles's team saying he's just busy. She said, make up a plausible excuse or give us a decent insult. What's the point of employing a whole team of publicists if busy is the best they can come up with? I kind of agree. Yeah. I kind of agree. I know. Um, Harry's witness statement is also pretty revealing. He says that the British public deserves to know the full extent of what he calls cover-ups at the publisher. He said he feels it's his duty to expose it. He mentioned that in an interview for during spare press that it was his life's mission mm -hmm. to kind of fight this uh, evil British tabloid system. Harry's witness statement also says, not only has Associate been acting outside the law, it believes it is above it. If the most influential newspaper company can successfully evade justice, then in my opinion, the whole country is doomed. Very dramatic. But I, I do think the drama is necessary. Like as you read this, I mean, for Harry to be shoulder to shoulder with the other celebs that he is there with, and it shows the breach of all these private citizens. I mean, it just I think Guy Pelly was one of the people mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. victimized by this, where his phones were tapped and he learned so much about what was going on in Harry's life. I think it really is so illegal and problematic yeah. and it needs to be stopped because yeah. what will stop it? And one of the um one of the things that Harry reveals is that a private phone call with William was actually tapped and that the that transcript was published in an Italian magazine. I don't know which one that is, but he also said that Chelsea Davy was being, quote, harassed to death. So just the really fear that he stuff. would feel and just also the paranoia, like, and that's also something that his mom went through. I think also just reading that he, how he was kind of committed to the never complain, never explain thing, but not yeah. really recognizing how toxic that is when something is truly, truly wrong. Yeah. And the, necess the necessity. Oh, you're talking about the, when you said the royal family kind of withheld information yes. about phone tapping. Yes. That's a huge reveal too. Yeah. I know. I know. And the last thing I want to say is just that the parallels in timing-wise with the Gwyneth Paltrow case. Oh, my and gosh. Then here, yes. <laughs> which I feel like all the memes about that, I cannot stop. Evan Ross Katz is the best follow Living ever. For that if you don't follow yes. him on Instagram, yes. please do it immediately. Today it was a succession reference, so all of these things are crossing over. But I just, I do feel like that. I don't know. All of these trials and Legal cases. Legal woes yeah, this week. Yeah. Yes. Okay, speaking of Charles, we did just want to talk about this briefly, that he was obviously set to be in France. Where in the world is Charles? He is in Germany as of today, but this whole trip cancellation was a pretty big deal because it was set to be his first, the kickoff of his first state visit as monarch. It's the only one before the coronation, and it's very rare to see it canceled. But with all the protests and demonstrations going on in France and Paris right now, especially over the raising of the retirement age with Macron just wasn't a good idea. I saw that there was someone that was graffitied somewhere. Charles III, do you know the guillotine? Am I saying that right? Guillotine? guillotine. Guillotine. Yeah. So I think, you know, it just was not a great look for France, too, to, for him to be over there. There was a, supposed to be a dinner planned at Versailles, which just think about, like, the oh, how I, opulent. That was and, my high one week, that it would be so beautiful yeah, to see that state but banquet. But the contrast. So anyways, yeah, happen. they touched down in Germany. Did you see all the footage of the escort, the fighter yeah. Jane? Oh, yeah, fighter Chris Jackson posted that, yeah. And Max Foster, too. They had really – they talked about how unique that is and that that hasn't really happened before. I also 
loved Camilla disembarking from the plane when they touched down in Berlin, and the wind just keeps chasing her, Roberta. <laughs> her hat, <laughs> She had to too. hold her hair yeah, down her this time. Yeah, her hat game is, like, she has those, she has, like, three big feathers coming off of the hat, and those, the, all the pictures so far have just been so striking. Yes. And the color of, that she chose, I think, is really beautiful, actually. That outfit is a win for me. But for what Camilla. is the style hack for hats for the Royals? I mean, obviously, we know about the weights and the skirts, but, like, what do they do to keep them on? The pins need to be more intense. And, yeah. Like, the hairspray Seems needs like to be. Seems like they really need a lot more bobby yes. pins there. Yeah. So Charles is there with Camilla through Friday. It's a choice, obviously, for them to be in Europe. We talked about this a little bit. But yeah, lots. Where in the world? Saw, it truly is the theme of this I, episode. I just saw a video of someone offering a Burger King crown to Charles in the crowds, and he said, no, thank you. And then, uh, or he said, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm which, all right. And then uh, a little girl with a toy camera was taking a picture of, of him, and she goes, wait, to Charles, like, to not walk away. And he was like, he, like, stood still for a second. It was, he better listen to yeah, that little girl. He, he listened yeah. to her. So. Wait. When you tell the king, wait. He waits. Yes. We also saw a new portrait of him today. So lots going on. Anyways. What did you think of that portrait? I liked it. I thought it was pretty yeah. realistic. I like and... seeing the other one that this artist has done of Queen Elizabeth as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Very interesting. Exciting. Oh, and the indigenous bracelet he was wearing. That's yes. a pretty cool Yes, he was out. wearing that. Yeah, for the portrait. And I like that that anchors it in the time because he was given it on the particular engagement that he was studied for this portrait. So it was nice to have that detail that really, oh yeah, when you think about historically, yeah. puts it in that exact moment. So, and this artist did it in two weeks. He said it was the fastest portrait he's ever done. It's wow. like it really incredible. The, the next thing I want to see for portraits before the coronation is a King Charles portrait of himself. Because he paints. Oh. He knows he paints. Can he please Wait, paint This is such a personal tangent, but Finn is learning portraiture at school Stop. right now. <laughs> yes. And he was like, he's so into it. So over the weekend, but what he they're doing. to give the tips to Charles. Well, what they're doing is they're doing portraits of a, of a peer. So he did one of a classmate and she did one of him. So him and I did that this weekend. I did not look good. No <laughs> offense, Finn, but... <laughs> But he did, you know, obviously I always wear Breton stripes. Yeah. And we could pick whatever clothes. Finn said that was the rule that you had to make it as true to life, but mm-hmm. then you could pick, choose the clothes. Mm-hmm. And he drew a red and white Breton stripe oh, shirt for that's me. And so I was like, cute. I do he knows wear a lot your house. Of he knows your wardrobe. He knows. <laughs> like way too many of those. That's Anyways. Great. All right. Before we adjourn our royal pod, the highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. This is a, mine's not really a low. It's just funny that this New York Times article, I loved it's about King Charles impersonators getting the limelight. Their time to shine is right now. So (laughs) I didn't know this, but there are quite a few King Charles impersonators. I don't think any of them in this article, they don't look that much like him, but they are having like a lot of momentum right now. And they're kind of adorable. What's funny is like the impersonators, it's like, art imitating life and life imitating art because the impersonators said that they always felt like they had to take the back seat to the Queen Elizabeth impersonators and now that she's gone there is this really so their moment like, this <laughs> is a high Roberta it's a, it's a high it's kind of a high it's, it, this is and a, like that the, the Kate and William impersonators work really hard all the time and that he doesn't really get it's just it's a great story go read it it's I want fun. them to come on the podcast um, okay my low is I guess a real low, but we got the news that Alison Corfield, remember we talked about the ball breaker publicist, that's what she was described as by a UK paper, is sticking with Jamie Oliver. She's not joining Kate's team. She is apparently not at all interested in the limelight, which Mm -hmm. makes so much sense. I feel like it's kind of a thankless role, but this means back to the drawing board for Kate. And I was, I guess I was just, it's a low for me because I was excited to have someone that was really reinventing their PR because they need it. I know. Thankless and 
like salaryless. I heard they get paid like nothing to do this. Gosh, they must adjust that for the right person. In inflation. Yeah. Anyways, um, my high is seeing Lady Margarita and Tatler. She's only 20 years old. This is the granddaughter of Princess Margaret. And I. it's just the photos are stunning. She's wearing an Ellie Saab dress in one, this blue dress with a giant blue bow. And it, it's just gorgeous. And I'm... I think that's kind of what the royal family for me needs is like some excitement and some fashion and she feels like kind of the perfect person. So I know Charles wants to slim down monarchy, but Lady Margarita, I mean, she needs the spotlight more. She turns 21 in May. 21? Gosh, so exciting. All right, my high is a joint high, me and you have big news for the coronation. When we are in London, guys, we talked about this a little bit last week, but we have confirmed the details of our listener gathering. It will be at Joshua's Tavern on May 5th, Friday the 5th. So coronation eve, and we will be there. So be there or be square from 5.30 to 7.30 at a corner in that bar. So come by and say hello. I'm so excited Or send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com or DM us just to let let us know and we can try to be a little more coordinated, but it is meant to be spontaneous, impromptu. Just say hi. I cannot wait to meet you all who are going over there we're so excited Joshua's Tavern on Friday and we can talk about where we're going to stand for the corner everything oh, everything all the it'll details. be it'll be what we're so wearing exciting. that's yeah. the thing I cannot figure out <laughs> we have a lot of time to think about packing All right, just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. This is a lovely five-star review from MC Nelson. They said, far and away my fave. This is my absolute favorite royal podcast. Rachel and Roberta have no interest in snarky snide or belittling commentary. They are also careful to balance keen interest with respect for what might be invasive of public figures. The content is fun and considered. I look forward to new episodes every Thursday and the accompanying mood bump amongst so much negativity in our media. Oh, that's mood such bump. a kind review. Oh, I feel that way whenever I see you. Oh, same. Thank you so much for leaving it. Uh, and please leave us one like that. And we'll read it <laughs> exactly just like that. Like that. No. <laughs> and no, we'll, we'll take all the feedback, it. guys. Send yeah. it away. Yeah. Till next week. God, God save, save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.